Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. We need a national divorce. Well, it's a theory. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. 833-GOT-TONY-833-468-8669. This is a tweet from Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene. Let me read it to you in full. Because in full, there is context. And in context, maybe she's not saying what's being said. Maybe she is. She tweets, we need a national divorce. We need to separate by red states and blue states and shrink the federal government. Everyone I talk to says this. From the sick and disgusting woke culture issues shoved down our throats to the Democrats' traitorous America last policies, we are done. When I first read that, I first said, oh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, you just, you just can't stay out of a headline, can you? And then I said, is she saying what she believes or is she engaged in what people are telling her? Go back to the actual tweet itself and it reads like she's repeating what has been said to her. Then I saw um, where she again calls for a national divorce. I'm like, I'm sorry, I didn't know she had called for such a thing before. Maybe that was written wrong. So is she discussing the idea of a split or is she discussing what people tell her about a split? I can tell you that my brother, the good Dr. Katz, for years has been discussing the idea that the political left, they they clearly want something that many of the rest of us don't want. So why don't they pick the North, the South, the East, or the West? They can pick their half of the country and choose the way they live, and we'll take the other half of the country. Whatever half they want, we'll take the other half. They want the South, we'll take the North. They want the West, we'll take the East, or vice versa. And my brother's theory, long-time theory is, in two years, they will be digging under our fences for food. That they will not be able to actually grow anything, do anything. They can't actually run a nation. That's his point. It would be foolhardy if you were to follow the advice of the Washington Post, where the Washington Post uh, states um, uh, that uh, don't, you know, don't think that there's anything logical to what it is that Marjorie Taylor Greene is saying. Don't pretend Greene's national divorce idea makes any sense. I don't think there's going to be a national divorce. This is analysis from Philip Bump, and Philip Bump doesn't quite understand what's happening in the country. Do you really think that Marjorie Taylor Greene is the first person to say this? You would literally have to be as ignorantly daft as Philip Bump of the Washington Post. This has been an ongoing conversation 
Four years. What's the matter? My brother's an irrational person? Not at all. He just notices that the way that the progressive left wants to live does not provide him any value. But he has no problem with the progressive left living that way. If they choose to live this way, if they choose to live in a hellscape, if they live choose to live in, these are my words, in this puritanical nightmare, if they choose to be woke, well then let them. Let them live the way they want to live. I don't want to be involved in it. You do you, Boo Bear. The problem is you want me involved in it. You won't leave me alone. You won't leave my brother alone. You won't leave us alone. The Katzes would like to be left alone, please. And you're like, nope, got to be all up in your stuff. My brother's argument is, I want them to live in the world they want to create because I want them to feel the pain of what it is they believe. My problem is they won't leave me alone and they want me to feel the pain. Thus, I got to be involved in telling them no. I would rather tell them nothing. So give them the North or the South, the East or the West, and let them do it. Let them live in the pain. Uh, that is That is so something I would say. <laughs> because I've said it. Uh, it. It's amazing how that works out. Sometimes you're different than your siblings. And, and, and we are uh, definitely, definitely different. Uh, not, not on this one. The idea that a national divorce doesn't make any sense. Well, there's an argument to be made. We, we've, we've gone through the very idea of um, seceding from the nation. And we've said no to that. Well, maybe it needs to be looked at again because some people want a country that other people don't want. And I'm pretty sure that the Declaration of Independence is very, very clear on this subject. Allow me uh, to get to it. But when a long train of abuses and usurpations pursuing invariably the same object invents a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, it is their right, it is their duty to throw off such government and to provide new guards for their future security. Such has been the patient suffering of these colonies, and such is now the necessity which constrains them to alter their former systems of government. And then it is a laying out of the abuses of King George. The Declaration of Independence is the why of America, W-H-Y. This is why we do what we do, where we've done what we've done. The Constitution, of course, is the how of America, how we do the thing. The Declaration only worked in uh, July of 1776. It doesn't work today. I think Philip Bump needs to have a little bit more history injected into his soul and ask himself, well, does it make sense? I want to say for the record, I am not calling for a national divorce. I am saying that you would have to be the most ignorant and arrogant of fools to think that it isn't a conversation happening across the country every single day. You would be out of your head, embarrassingly pathetic, if you didn't understand that it's happening across the country every single day. Now you say to me, Tony, I never thought about it. Let me ask you, when it comes up, 
Are you like, yeah, I'm not surprised if that conversation's happening? Or are you saying to yourself, hmm, okay, I, I, I guess it makes sense. I, I guess I can see people having that conversation. Or are you somebody clutching your pearls, getting the vapor, saying, how dare they think of doing such a thing? Well, you see, if you're part of the first group, you're normal. If you're part of the second group, you're whom I'm talking about. Just so we all understand each other. Go back to Marjorie Taylor Greene's commentary. We need a national divorce. We need to separate by red states and blue states and shrink the federal government. See, she's, she's now starting to mix her conversation pieces. Everyone I talk to says this, from the sick and disgusting woke culture issues shoved down our throats to the Democrats' traitorous America last policies, we are done. Um, your, your statement should be, we need a national divorce. These issues, these culture issues shoved down our throats and Democrats, are, as I see it, traitorous America last policies are terrible. We're done with this. We need to separate by red states and blue states. And then what we would do is we would shrink federal government. So that would be a plan. For Marjorie Taylor Greene, this is nothing more than a ranting. And that's all it is. That's all it is. It's a ranting. It is the kind of thing you put on social media to get people to notice you. Doesn't actually do anything. It doesn't actually mean anything. But allow me to take a moment to share with you that there is indeed um, a tremendous amount of nonsensical culture attacks going on. You want to talk about culture war. The left started it. And there is already a desire to have a divorce in the nation based on race. This is Joy Reid. Through indiscriminate use of state power. What's been a problem for Florida is now a problem for America. It isn't just about the cruise ship companies or Disney or even your woke gas stove. DeSantis is determined to stamp out intellectual freedom, and it's causing other red states to scrutinize AP black studies. He's also threatening to withdraw state support for advanced placement courses altogether. The Miami Herald reports that top Florida officials are exploring alternatives to the college board, meeting with the founder of an exam called the classic learning test. Supporters of the exam say it focuses on the, quote, great classical and Christian tradition and the, quote, centrality of the Western tradition. Pretty much on brand for DeSantis, who clearly wants to be president and who is on tour to signal to the nation how he would govern. And that is by replacing a multitude of ideas with the one idea he holds dear, the centrality of white Christian thought. Now, I, I, I must first ask a, a, a question. Um, I'm going to go to Wikipedia right here. Um, in, the, in a world of, of woke this, woke that, woke the other, is Ron DeSantis white? I, I'm, I'm asking because I actually don't know. I don't know why I have to say actually. I have absolutely no idea if the man is white. So he is the son of Karen DeSantis, uh, formerly Karen Rogers, and Ronald Daniel DeSantis. He is of Italian descent. All of his eight great-grandparents were born in Italy. Okay. I I didn't know such a thing. Well, now I know a little bit about him. 
I didn't know, so I figured I'd ask the question, figuring somehow that would matter. But it wouldn't matter to someone like Joy Reid because they have already people like Joy Reid have already stated that if you oppose what she believes, you are just somebody who upholds white supremacy. When we're talking about the AP college courses about black history, the argument was that within these courses was conversations about queer theory. Now, somebody wants to go about taking a class on queer theory, I guess they can. I'm not going to stop them. But how is that part of black history? The answer is it's not. It is part of a woke ideology that wants to now put these two things together. And that is what DeSantis has opposed. The idea that that's an erasing of black history is, of course, a lie told by liars who only want to do what? Divide us. All of the conversations of DEI, all of them are predicated on the idea. Predicated on the idea of division. That's what DEI does. Let me let Joy Reid finish up here. And who, let's be clear, is using woke to mean any notion that brown, black, LGBTQ people and women are citizens rather than subjects. She actually said that. You think in the United States, people who disagree with you think that people who are black and brown or women or LGBTQ are subjects and not citizens. Do you actually believe this? And the answer is yes, she does. She said it. She says it repeatedly. You think Marjorie Taylor Greene is the only person discussing a national divorce? Have you not been listening to Joy Reid for years? This is the whole damn show, kids. By the way, you got to love how she puts LGBTQ together, right? They're, they're not individuals with individual thoughts and individual ideas. No, 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 no. One monolith group that acts the same way and has the same politics. Uh, it's, it's gross how they treat uh, gay uh, men and women in, in the United States. It's absolutely gross. You belong to this group, and you have to believe all these things. If you don't believe all these things, well, then you're not really gay. It's, it's out of control nutty. It's sick. The desire for a national divorce can be found everywhere. It can be found on the political right, and it can be found on the political left. It is not anything new. It is the idea that one group of people believes that another group of people simply are intolerable. They have come to a place where they have stated they can't live with one another anymore. They can't work because the view they have of the nation itself simply is incompatible with the other's view. The difference is one group is desperate to try and preserve the Constitution, the amendments as well, kids, and one group is desperate to radically change the Constitution, to make it a living document that must be changed to fit the times, as opposed to a recognition of the value the Constitution brings. That is the difference. So when I see this from from uh, Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, I, I wasn't shocked by it. It's a conversation we've had on this show. 
When I heard this conversation from Joy Reid, I wasn't shocked by it. This is who she is. This is the bigot she is. And whether you think Marjorie Taylor Greene's a bigot's totally up to you. They both want the same thing. They hate the other person, and they want to be left alone. The only argument I make is, first, it's not going to happen. And secondly, if it did, what do we think would happen? What do we think would happen? Can the left really, really and truly create a valuable society? The left wonders the same thing about the right. What's wrong with some experimentation? Isn't that what the states are supposed to do? 50 laboratories of experimentation? Laboratories of liberty? This isn't a new thought. The question of, well, where does this lead us is pretty ugly and pretty pretty dark. But don't think that somehow this is just Marjorie Taylor Greene. Because it's not. I'm Tony Katz. Facebook is following the path of Twitter, and they're now going to charge for a blue badge, blue check mark to be authenticated. Oh, I'm not doing that for Facebook, but I do it for Instagram. It's interesting because I don't have any problems on Instagram that I do on Facebook, and I have a tremendous number of problems on Facebook, and I don't want to be supportive of Mark Zuckerberg's garbage. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Now Twitter is going to charge for texting two-factor authentication. Um, all right, is this a bridge too far? So 2FA, you, you use your, tap, uh, your password, you type in your password, and then you enter a code or security key to get into your account, and a text comes to you, and then you, you put it in. And so... That's if you want to use that two-factor authentication. Authentication? Authentication. Twitter Blue is $11 a month. Gets a blue check mark for anybody who will pay it. Uh, only 2.6% of Twitter users uh, utilize two-factor authentication. And 74.4% of those use text. And supposedly, it's costing Twitter $60 million a year. Okay. I don't know if there's a moment of people saying, all right, that's enough. That's enough. But I don't see paying more for this luxury. I don't think I need the two-factor. I think I'll take the risk. I think I will take the risk. Besides, who is going to know my password? Who, who else really in America is using password one? No one. No one, I tell you. No one. That password is gold. Kylan, my producer today, Kylan, nobody would guess that password, right? 100%, except for now. What do you mean, except for now? Because you just told them that. I told who? <laughs> no, I'm just saying password one is my password. No one will ever get that. No one ever. Totally secure. 
This is Tony Katz today. Not a yes, sir. Not a follower. Fit the box, fit the mold, have a seat in the foyer. Take a number. I was lightning before the thunder. The administration has come under some fire for its response. The mayor of East Palestine has said it took nearly two weeks for the White House to contact him. There were shouts of, where's Pete Buttigieg at a town hall meeting last week. Uh, what's your response to that? When are you going to go to East Palestine? Well, I am planning to go, and uh, our folks were on the ground from the first hours. I do want to stress that the NTSB needs to be able to do its work independently. But when I go, the focus is going to be on action. Look, I was mayor of my hometown for eight years. We dealt with a lot of disasters, natural and human. And one of the things I noticed very quickly is that there's two kinds of people who show up when you have that kind of disaster experience. People who are there because they have a specific job to do and are there to get some done and people who are there to look good and have their picture taken when i go it will be about action on rail safety like the actions that we are calling on congress to help us with that we're calling on industry to take and that we are undertaking ourselves as a department to help make sure that these kinds of things don't happen in the future who believes him who believes pete Buttigieg right there with george stephanopoulos that's just that is that is outrageously weak sauce. When I go, it'll be about action. So has there been action? Oh, no, we've been on the ground since the first few hours. Are you sure? Because that isn't what the people are saying. That's not what they're saying at all. They're saying, where is everybody? How come we're not getting more help? What in the bloody hell is going on here? That's well, accurate. We all see, we all realize, we all understand a thousand percent that a train derailed in East Palestine, Ohio, and no one did anything. Were there some organizations on the ground? Absolutely. Was there an actual focus? an actual caring, an actual demand of answers? No. There was no press coverage, no anything. Did I say hello? I forget to say hello. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. What's going on, guys? Now, maybe, maybe this is how you're supposed to deal with one of these kinds of things, one of these kinds of disasters. You're like, all right, this happened. Let's get the train uh, out of there. Let's get things cleaned up. Let's see who needs help. And everyone just, you know, Calmly handle your business. But that isn't what we see, now is it? What we see is a society that puts press coverage on things that they feel that they can exploit. Specifically things that would be racial or otherwise cultural. Is that why we didn't see much coverage out of East Palestine? Because who actually cares what these Ohio rednecks think and what happens to them. It's not like they're a group that's on our list of people that we have to focus on. I mean, that theory came up and everyone's like, how dare you? In the absence of things, there will be things that fill the vacuum. Why was this not a story that got covered? Where were the environmentalists? Where was the coverage of look what we're doing to, to the environment? Where was any of that from CNN and MSNBC? 
And yes, uh, to to large extents, Fox, Newsmax, News Nation. Where was it? Well, News Nation, I mean, they had a guy who was arrested for asking questions. That was another whole crazy story in and of itself. One of their reporters got arrested. It was nuts. It was nuts. So it's, it, it, it is clear that for whatever the reason that the issues of East Palestine did not get covered to the extent that other stories involving different groups would be covered. Different stories covered by this media. And one is allowed to ask the question, why? But, but as to, to Buttigieg, he, does he really believe, does he really and truly believe that he has done anything that warrants being so ridiculously cocky? When we go, it's going to be about action. I'm not just going to get my picture taken. No one actually needs you there, but the idea that you weren't speaking about it, you weren't sharing about it, but instead you were lecturing to the rest of us. Lecturing to the rest of us about racism in construction shows massive parts of the problem. When you say things like this, uh, look, rail safety is something that uh, uh, that has evolved a lot over the years, but there's clearly more that needs to be done because uh, while this uh, horrible situation ha- has gotten a particularly high amount of attention, there are roughly 1,000 cases a year of a train derailing. That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that there are a thousand train derailments a year, although in and of itself it's own issue. What matters is how the people of East Palestine survive. Can they breathe the air? Can they bathe their children? That's the question. How could anyone take a look at what's happened to these people and say, well, you know, we got a lot of these. We got a lot of these train derailments. Oh yeah, we got a we got we got a lot of a lot of these right here, a lot of, a lot, a lot of these right here. And while this is going on, here's what you're talking about, Secretary Buttigieg. To work with your contractors, uh, to work with your community colleges on building a workforce that reflects the community. We have heard way too many stories from generations past of infrastructure where you got a neighborhood, often a neighborhood of color, that finally sees the project come to them, but everyone in the hard hats on that project looking like, uh, uh, you know, doing, doing the good paying jobs, don't look like they came from anywhere near the neighborhood. Right. You can build community wealth that will help close wealth gaps in this country if we can tear down those barriers. But that happens at the delivery level. East Palestine is on fire. And this is your transportation secretary. But don't worry. He's just waiting for the moment to come down there to make impact. And this is why it's so crazy that he's number two on this list. This list put out by the Washington Post, the top 10 Democratic presidential candidates for 2024 ranked. Oh, yeah, this is a dumpster fire. It's a dumpster fire because number 10 on this list 
is J.B. Pritzker, the governor of Illinois. Now, J.B. Pritzker has a couple billion dollars to his name. But dear Lord, there's a national audience for him? Well, maybe, maybe it's possible. Remember, he's got unlimited money he can throw at this thing. He's not got a single place where he is um, that he he won't be as more progressive than anybody else. But uh, it, it's clear that if he's number 10 on your list, they're not valuing the money as much as other things. They've got Josh Shapiro at number nine, and he is the Pennsylvania governor. Now, again, incredible progressive. Won't have the money to put into the game. Gretchen Whitmer is number eight on the list, the governor from Michigan. And you would argue that she could be on a list of presidential candidates. Uh, has guided Michigan through COVID by saying, yep, yep, we keep this locked down, we keep that locked down. You know, for a while they tried to lock down cigar lounges. You can't you couldn't have a you couldn't smoke a cigar without a mask. How the how how but da, da, ha, look, I smoke a lot of cigars. <laughs> Uh, I know a couple things. You know what I know? He can't smoke a cigar with a mask on. Uh, well, not safely, anyway. Not safely. Anyway, she's on the list, and Bernie Sanders is number seven. Just as a reminder, I'm talking about this Bernie Sanders right here. You know, it's funny. Sometimes American journalists talk about how bad a country is because people are lining up for food. That's a good thing. In other countries, people don't line up for food. The rich get the food and the poor starve to death. That's Bernie Sanders. That's the guy they've got on their list at number seven. But trust me, Bernie Sanders is sitting pretty. I mean, his whole conversation about, look at how progressive I've made Joe Biden. The president and I worked together uh, after the campaign. Uh, our teams sat down and we said, all right, how do we bring the campaigns together to come up with an agenda that works for working families? And the end result of it was I didn't agree with everything that was there. He didn't agree with everything that was there. But essentially, we put together probably the most progressive outline that any president has introduced since FDR. So I am. And the lemmings there. Over at the Colbert Report, or it's not even Colbert Report anymore, uh, the late, late Show with Stephen Colbert, they're all sorts of cheering it. They don't even know what they're cheering. They don't even know what it is that they are cheering. And, and, and th- this leads to another conversation. Uh, really quick, like there was this, there was this poll. Where's, where's the, here it is. Rasmussen poll uh, that shows U.S. voters strongly prefer capitalism to socialism. Bull crap. Oh, it's what I want. It's what I hope for. I don't believe them. I don't believe them at all. 67% said capitalism is a better system than socialism. 17% said socialism is a better system than capitalism. 16% were unsure. Okay, they were unsure. That's That makes me feel good. How did these people define socialism? How did they define capitalism? All of that matters because very often these are things where people play in their own spaces, play in their own heads about what these things mean as opposed to what they actually mean. So I don't trust any of it. I don't trust any of it. You know what matters more to me than this ridiculous poll? I, I know it's Rasmussen, but it's ridiculous. 
And they say what follows a similar survey survey from Pew Research Associates released last fall. I'm sorry. Did you not hear this right here? Since FDR. So I am. That is an audience cheering a policy as progressive as FDR. That's the frightening stuff. And forgive me, I'm going to keep noticing that. And I see Bernie Sanders on the list at number seven. And you realize, as I've gone through this, not a moderate in the bunch. Because Gavin Newsom is number six, and Amy Klobuchar is number five. There are no moderate Democrats. They don't exist. Which makes Jared Polis a fascinating, fascinating look in Colorado. Now, I I will tell you that I've been burned by Colorado. I've been burned by Colorado because when it came to uh, 2020, one of the people that I said you had to take a long look at was on Fox News. I said the words John Hickenlooper, who's now a senator and was uh, the former governor of Colorado. And I stated that he was. there was a lot of talk about him. You can't underestimate him as a presidential candidate. He's, he's liked. He's been able to, to move things well. And you can absolutely look at him and look to him as being a contender for, for 2020. And he didn't survive the primaries, not one bit. Not one bit at all. And then he went and he won the Senate. So Jared Polis is a much different kind of of, of governor, a much different kind of Democrat. He's actually engaged a little bit more, and, I, and rightfully so, as posted by the, the Washington Post, a little bit of libertarian love, a little bit of independent streak, so he doesn't play as much uh, as, a, uh, as a progressive. And I would argue, for the little I know about what he's done recently, Hickenlooper didn't either. Um, and for that alone, uh, Polis is not a, is not a candidate. Because the party is dominated by the progressives, which brings us to the top three. And their 3-2-1 is Harris, Buttigieg, Biden. Buttigieg over Biden. The guy who hasn't shown up yet because when he does, it's going to be about action. That guy ranks better than Kamala Harris for Democrats when we talk about 2024. That's just hilarious. That is just hilarious. Really and truly is. Judge is the second best choice to Biden. And you've heard me say it. These people have coalesced. They, they've gone through all the stages of grief, grief, and now they're into acceptance. And the acceptance means Joe Biden, 2024. They're, they aren't in, in the judge camp. And if this is the best you can do outside of Biden, this party is out of their heads. Then again, I said that about Biden and he won. But I didn't quite understand the levels to which COVID played in people's heads. I didn't quite understand exactly how much um, you could campaign from the basement and people be like, yeah, whatever. Don't rest on your laurels. Run hard against these people. But if Buttigieg is your number two, you're sticking with your number one. Expect Biden in 2024. That's, I can't say it enough. Expect Biden in 2024 to at least run. I'm not saying win. This is Tony Katz today. 
just when you think everything has gone to pot, everything is complete and total madness, and there is absolutely no help for civilization, the Shamrock Shake is back. Yes, 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 yes. I'm sorry, that's, that's not enough. That's not enough. Let me say it again. The Shamrock Shake is back. Yes, 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 yes. Oh. Just me? Just, just me? Uh, McDonald's second finest creation. The only thing that beats it is, of course, the Egg McMuffin. It's a perfect food. Uh, possibly the Shamrock Shake tied with the hash browns. You know what? I'm going to put it ahead of the hash brown. But the idea of a hash brown inside the Shamrock Shake, oh, my gosh, that is just a, that is just an absolute. Yes, 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 yes. I had to do it again. I had to do it again. Shamrock Shake is perfect. Absolutely, positively, a perfect food. Just terrific. And uh, with the first real memory of doing something special with my kids where you could just see it on their face like, I can't believe this was happening. The first time we put them in car seats, we were living in California and went through the McDonald's drive-thru and they, they, didn't, they didn't each get their own. They were too young. But we split a shake for them and they each got to have their own Shamrock shake uh, and still to this day, a top five memory. Like, so... I've, I've got reasons to be excited. Uh, I will go have it. I think they offer it now, like, in a whole different uh, series of styles and varieties, including, like, with Oreo as a as a McFlurry, Wh- whatever it is. Just get it. Just get it. It's delicious. This is Tony Katz today. Tony Katz.